0: Would you open God's precious holy word to the gospel of John, chapter one. And we will look as far as we can look today in these two verses, maybe just one. There is one prevailing thought that should always be uppermost in the mind of the redeemed. And that thought is this, the glory of God. Say that with me, would you? The glory of God. One more time. The glory of God. I have no glory. We have no glory. All glory is to God. Abraham Lincoln once said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my darling mother. He had it wrong. It should be this. All that I am or ever hope to be I owe to God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I shall never be anything beyond what the will of the Father is as executed by the Son, thus empowered by the Holy Spirit. I will never be anything beyond that. There is nothing within me that can empower me or create me or recreate me, regenerate me, save me. There is nothing within me that can keep me saved. There is nothing within me that can comfort me. There is nothing within me that can separate my soul from the spirit. There is nothing within me that can cause me when I'm dead to go up and stand in the presence of my savior There's nothing within me that can empower me to be resurrected again. There is nothing in me that can empower my glorification. I'm nothing apart from what God would will me to be. That's it. The glory of God. Some infinitely glorious day, standing in the presence with all of those, the redeemed raptured and resurrected at last in his presence. I will have no other praise but praise to him. Many people have helped me along the way, but God sent them. God empowered them. Many people have loved me along the way, but God planted that in their lives and caused our paths to cross. All glory is to God. In the Revelation chapter 4, this same John is old and he is designated and appointed by the Lord to close the canon of Scripture with the Revelation And in his vision in the Revelation 4, he sees this magnificent throne and those who are about it. The four living ones. The cherubim. They have eyes or They have four faces. Oh, they're magnificent. And then... Coming in to take their seats are the 24 elders. And the 24 elders cast their throne, their crowns to the throne of the Savior. And they fall on their faces and this is at the end of all things and it's said more than once in the Revelation with the consummation of the age. Worthy are you To receive the glory, the honor, and the power. For you have created all things, and by your will, all things have existed. All things. I'm not worthy. To enter into the verse here. But I've been appointed to do it. And it's more. It contains more than I can say. But I'll try. It's appropriate in my opinion. I didn't plan it this way. But it's appropriate to follow Ephesians with the gospel of John, especially John chapter one, verses one through 14. There are, three, there are synoptic gospels, there are three of them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They follow the same pattern, sort of, they each have a different kind of audience. But they're pretty much the same in saying in, in writing the things that they write about. Matthew presents Christ as the Messiah, the King of Israel. He draws upon the great prophets all across the Old Testament in giving the genealogy of the Christ, of Jesus, He takes the genealogy back to Abraham and notes to the Jewish audience to whom he writes that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Mark, many believe, was simply the scribe of Peter, but it's called the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest. It starts on the banks of the Jordan River. It's written to written to a very wide audience. And the Christ of God is seen as the suffering servant. Luke is the longest New Testament book. Luke was a physician. He was commissioned by an important Roman named Theophilus. And Luke wrote a two volume book, The Gospel According to Luke, and then Acts, the book of Acts. Luke, the physician, A scientific and practical man is writing to Romans primarily, but he's writing to Gentiles as well, as did Mark. And being the physician, he carries the genealogy of the Christ back to Adam, who was created by God. Those are the synoptic gospels. Then there is the jhanim, gospel it's different the gospel of john is unlike the other three the synoptics we find circumstances of christ's life and ministry recorded by john that were not recorded in the other ones Matthew takes us back to Abraham. Mark just starts at the Jordan River with the beginning of the ministry of Christ, first by introducing John the Baptist. Luke takes us back to Adam. John carries us and starts with that which is in a realm before time. I cannot describe it. No man will ever live, even even in the new heaven and new earth, in an age of glorification. We will never be able to exhaust the mind of God. He's God. You can't really apply words. You can't say, well, this is where God is. There's no where. He's he's it. He's God. Or when God. He's God. You can't apply these things to God. We live at our appointed time, you and I, in the time-space continuum. Continuum. I was born in 1951. It was a good year. So was Pat. There you go. (laughs) You've you've been down the road. I've been down. So you've learned my lesson well. And someday I'll die, unless I'm raptured. I don't know when, God knows. It's an appointment. There have been great events in history, according to man. But here's how John begins his gospel. And may I submit to you right up front that you and I are in this verse. And I'm going to show you why. In the beginning, in arke. Now, you won't find a definite article there, but the definite article is necessary because it follows with the subject matter of the whole thing here, which is logos, the word, so the the definite article is there. It's appropriate to say in the beginning, but it's more appropriate to say in the absolute chief preeminent beginning of all beginnings. See, you and I will experience a lot of beginnings in life. I was I was born, that was the beginning of life. I was conceived, that was actually the beginning of my life. I had a, as a baby I had my first poop. That was the beginning of an adventure that really is getting interesting these days. I had my first day at school, a beginning in school. Okay, come back around to the scripture now. <laughs> We're back into the realm that we cannot understand. <laughs> of course, that one's one I don't understand either. <laughs> the one who lasts longest and hardest is my wife. That's interesting. The preeminent chief beginning that was the beginning of all other beginnings. So creation had a beginning, you see. The time and space in which we live had a beginning. There was a beginning of time. There was a beginning of the three parts of the space we live in. It had a beginning. There was a time. It it started. But something was there. I say something. God was there. And I can't, I have a hard time taking words like before and applying them to God. But for the sake of what we're thinking about, God was before all that. He was, he was after all that. He, all of that is in him. These are deep thoughts. John writes to the high-minded Greek. Thinkers, philosophers logic, reason all of these things raced through the minds of the Greeks the Hellenic philosophy of the day permeated the the, the Gentile mind the early age of the church in the chief ruling preeminent beginning the beginning now Of course, that has its relationship with what is said in Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God. Now here, it starts out in the beginning, and the last of the phrase is God, but look at what's in between. That could not have been written and could not have been understood until after the Christ of God had come. Only then. In the chief beginning was the Logos, the word Logos. Listen. Here is what Logos means. it's, It's more than just word as we would think of word. Logos encapsulates the following. There is an idea, an embodiment and gathering of thoughts, that are with the one who will express it before he ever expresses it. It is with him. It's in his mind. It is the, for him to have this gathering of thoughts to be expressed, there must exist The level of knowledge of the one who will express it. The level of knowledge. The level of understanding. He must understand what he's about to express. The level of wisdom. This is all in Lagos before he expresses it. It'll be a while before we get to verse 14, but then in verse 14, the expression is given, and the word became flesh. Now, we know who that is, of course. Back up to where we are now. In the chief beginning was the Logos. Okay. There's Logos with me. And the minute I express what has been gathered in my mind, based on the level of my knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, when I express it, the knowledge and understanding and wisdom are reflected in what I say when it is expressed. What about this, Logos? In the chief beginning, before there were any other beginnings, was the Logos, the Word. This Logos was with God. You can't get any smarter than God, wiser than God, more understanding than God. This would be the highest of all expressions. There could never be another expression once the Logos is made manifest. There can never be anything wiser, smarter, deeper than what God would express. It's with God. Now it's in the beginning. I'll I'll get to that. We're going to go back to that in just a couple of minutes. And This logos, this word, this logos was with God. God. And God was the Logos. If God will think it and God will express it, it is the epitome of God. Now, it's personified in the masculine with this pronoun, he, hotos. He, who? Logos. Was in the beginning with God. He would be the visible manifestation. He would be the visible expression in the time-space continuum. In the beginning. So Logos, with God, before the beginning. There is no beginning. Minus, before, I don't like that. Minus the beginning. No beginning. God will begin. The time, space continue. He will declare it. He will call it into existence. Time and space will then exist. Now let's take the first word "in. In in. In, in it means inside of, within, into. In. I want you to think about this. When the beginning began, in it, within it, inside of it. was the expression of his will from the mind of God and it came into physical existence. On the mighty shoulders of God the Son... The next verse tells us that he is the one who created all things Logos. The physical expression, the one who became flesh, verse 14. So it's Christ. He he is the physical creator by the will of the Father. Everything, everything that God will express In the time space continuum is contained in the Logos, which is manifested in the creation event in the beginning. Perhaps I can best illustrate this with a personal testimony. that I've only really begun to understand myself. Here it is. We are told in the Bible that those in Christ have their names written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. In other words, before this. In other words, inside of this, Lagos. The Bible teaches me that before there was a time-space continuum in which I could be created and live and exist, before that time, I was in the mind of God. Me, not just a generic guy, me. Are you redeemed? You as well. In the mind of God, But all that God would do for me would not finally and absolutely be expressed and done and accomplished until after all things in this age come to an end in the consummation. Now, in March of 1962, My daddy was my pastor. In March of 1962, I came under great conviction. I was almost 11 years old. I would turn 11 in July, but I was 10 years old. Both my mama and my daddy had been telling me how I needed to receive Christ. I was getting on in age for a kid in a Christian home. You see, my thoughts were, well, daddy's a preacher and a Christian, mama's a Christian, so I'm a Christian. Well, of course, that was a damnable lie. And I would have never been saved if God had not intervened by grace. But I've come to realize that what God had determined in eternity, God made happen at the time of his choosing. He expressed it, made it manifest in this creation march on a tuesday night i can't remember which the date early march first couple of weeks in march on a tuesday night in the kitchen in front of the refrigerator at 1143 6th avenue gadsden alabama i told my daddy i want to be saved And my daddy said, Do you want us to kneel in prayer right now? I said, Yes, sir. And he took my hands and we knelt in front of the refrigerator in the kitchen. And we prayed. And I prayed for Christ to save me, to come into my heart. Prior to that, my mother was my Sunday school teacher. At that point in time, I mean, I outgrew that class, finally went to another one. But she had put on the board earlier, by some weeks, a flanograph. Those things probably caused cancer, I don't know, but we had them back then. <laughs> and they stuck to the wall. Jesus, knocking at the door, flew all over me. Now, I understand theologically that it was the church of Laodicea, and the Laodiceans had cast Christ in a lukewarm church. And Jesus said, If anybody in there, let me come in. But that was me, you see, in my simple little boy theology. And I went to my daddy and we prayed. And he said, you know what needs to happen? I said, I need to come to the front. My daddy preached and on March the 18th of 1962, I never sat on the front row. Never. I sat with my cousins in the back and we played thump football. We would would line up hymnals, made a football field out of it and All during daddy's sermons. (laughs) But something had changed. My cousins were wondering where I was because they couldn't continue the tournament without me back there. I'm on the front row. Two or three steps from my daddy. When he comes down, stands in front of the Lord's supper table, extends the invitation. Boom, there I was. Two weeks later I was baptized. April the 1st, 1962. I hope there's no significance to that. (laughs) The devil has tried to make me feel like a fool all this time. And I was baptized. My great Christ, the Logos, brought that with him. Into the beginning. Doesn't stop there. I finished school, went to college. At 16 years old, God called me to preach. For 10 years, I ran from it. I saw all that daddy had to go through and I thought to myself, "Uh uh-uh, nah. Denied it for 10 years Until upon a certain occasion at a youth camp, I was in my favorite place in the back pew. And a man who was our camp pastor that week, and I didn't know about all this, but his son wanted to publicly express his call into the ministry. And so added to the regular invitation, the preacher says, maybe there's a young man here today who feels called into the ministry. I was back there by myself. I was on the back pew. I have to tell you, I could not see or hear anything else but the path between me and that preacher at the altar. Nothing else. I couldn't see anything else. I was drawn down that aisle and the preacher was surprised. He was just expecting his son, but he got, he got two for one that night. And I got back home and the, the denial and the running started until a certain occasion after I was already married. Poor old Pat. She didn't marry a preacher. Mm. And I couldn't help it anymore and I was licensed and then finally ordained when a church called me. My great Christ brought that on his shoulders into the beginning. It was already there. It's just that the time had to pass before the will of God, according to his purpose and timing, would be expressed. First came one church and and then another. This is my fifth one in 44 years. There have been some terrible experiences. There have been some sweet experiences, but nothing to me is sweeter than studying, teaching, and preaching the precious holy word of God. That ordination... Those churches, Christ carried them on his mighty shoulders into the beginning. They were in Lagos before the beginning. But then came the beginning. He was in the beginning with God, He was God. And God the Son was appointed by the will of the Father to be the expression of God's will in time and space. At some point in a realm I cannot understand, in a way I cannot understand, God thought of me. Every aspect. The psalmist puts it like this this in the 139th Psalm. You wrote all of my days in a book before I ever was. That's how the psalmist writes it. I don't know all that there is to know about that. I just know what the Bible says, and I believe it. Someday. One of two things are going to happen to me. I will be raptured without seeing death or I will die. Either way, the Christ of God carried it on his shoulders and brought it, Logos, brought it into time and space. To be dispensed at the pleasure of God. What did the revelation say? You are worthy of all the glory and the honor and the power. For you created all things. And by your will all things exist. Nothing apart from the will of God. I lost my self glory. A long time ago. There's there's nothing I can say. I don't know. We may baptize 5. I don't even know how many. I don't keep up with numbers. We may baptize 5 or we may baptize 500 this year. I have no idea, but I can't so what? I'm not the Holy Spirit of God. I've preached in front of lost people where some are saved and some are lost. Let me tell you. I remember standing at the bedside of a man dying of cancer. He had lived a Christless life. He was in his 50s. His cousin, one of my church members, and I stood by his bedside pleading with him to be saved. There was no chance for him to live beyond a day or two. He cursed Christ and God and said for us to take our Bibles and leave his room. He's been in hell for 39 years. But in the same time frame, a little after that, my daddy and I went to a man that daddy knew. He was a well-to-do man, a wealthy man in the city of Gadsden, a very gracious man, a kind man, a respectful and dignified man, but he had never received Christ in his life. My daddy and I stood at his bedside. He, was, he wouldn't leave the hospital alive. And my daddy said to him, he took his hand and he said, my daddy said to him, he gave him the gospel and he said, would you, would you trust Christ? Would you let us pray with you? Would you pray? And the man looked up with tears in his eyes. He said, yes, Paul, my daddy's name. I want Christ to be my savior. What's the difference between those two? Both of them facing the same horrible end, just hours away from dying. And one would curse and swear and kick us out, defy the word of God, and the other would humble himself before God and be saved. The only answer I have is the grace of God, that's all. It could be that way today. There may be people here lost and saved or people here who are lost and some would be saved and some would walk away. They they have the same experience, heard the same songs, hear the same message. They walk away. Let me tell you something. Christ From the Logos would put it on his mighty shoulders and bring it into time and space. And in the course of time, according to the will of God, by the purpose of God, to the timing of God, the public profession of faith would come. There is a mighty, mighty chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, starts like this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. No condemnation. On down there, these are Bible words. These are not my words. You have to deal with them. On down there is what Paul says. The Holy Spirit through Paul, he says, Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. I don't know who all they are, the elect of God. I don't know. I have to preach to all of them. Pray for all of them. Plead with all of them. And I'll leave the rest up to God. That great chapter 8 ends like this. For I am persuaded, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things past nor things above nor things below shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This was on the mighty shoulders of Christ. From the logos in the mind, stepping into the Arche, the beginning, and the expression of the purpose of God from before the foundation of the world to work it out. Why? Because let me tell you this. At the end of all things, the elect of God will stand in his presence and we will worship, praise, and adore him. And we will shout with the elders, worthy the lamb that was slain. That we may give him glory and honor and power because he created all things. And by his will, all things exist. Sometimes we get caught up thinking about well, what about those or what about these? You, listen, God is God. You praise Him for what He's done for you. That's what I do, and I pray for those who are around me, and they've never been saved. I, I just beg and pray for God to save them. However He works it out, listen. However He works it out, at the end of it all, He will be praised. He will receive the honor and the glory and God will be glorified into the ages of the ages of the ages and who better to praise him than those who were lost and by the grace of God were found. Those who were dead in trespass and sin. And who were awakened to life by the call of God to come and be saved. All of this was on the mighty shoulders of the Christ of God, who came out of the other realm that I cannot understand and into the realm of creation to execute. The purpose and plan of God determined before the foundation of the world, the Holy Spirit empowering him to do so. This one who is Logos, the physical manifestation of God. whom we would otherwise never know, he's too big, he's too much. There's no way. I've lived long enough to know (laughs) that we have people, brilliant people who study the time-space continuum. And every time somebody comes up with a brilliant theory that seems like, oh, and the whole scientific community comes together and says, yeah, this is it. I've lived long enough to know that within a decade they will have debunked that thing. It's meaningless. You can never understand creation apart from the glory of God. That's why I said at the beginning, the glory of God. Nothing else matters. I don't matter. Except it's how God will be glorified through me and in me. But that's outside of my power. God does that. I don't do that. Suppose a brilliant young scientist who by his mid-twenties had a string of PhDs in all of the complicated sciences, sciences of cosmogony and cosmology. And he had unlimited resources. All of the nations of the world would give him unlimited grants and give him unlimited budgets and he had the brilliant staff surrounding him and all the finest laboratories in the world and suppose he could live a 1000 years, he would die with the same question mark on his face that he was born with. Because we cannot enter into the mind of God who brought everything from the realm of where of his existence, I don't know, into the ark the beginning And it is to his glory. And if we try to pursue these things apart from the glory of God, going to fall flat. Doesn't matter how smart we are, how smart we think we are. What the world invests in us. It is because what God did. Into the beginning. Within the beginning. Inside the beginning. Is reserved for his glory. And nothing else. And the chief of all beginnings was the Logos, the Word. And this Logos, this Word, was with God. And God was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. This is how John begins his great gospel of Jesus Christ. There are things too high for me to know. There are things too great for me to understand. I must, however, collapse into the presence of a sovereign God and believe his word, everything that's written in it. I'm still trying to understand a lot of it. But he gives me the Opportunity and resources me in the way he needs to, that I might at least until this day preach the riches of grace. What happens to us the older we get as Christians? What happens to us is what Peter says that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through 44 years of preaching and far many more years than that of studying it, I've come to realize that everything is of God and it's all by His grace. That's why the redeemed should say so, that's why the redeemed should rejoice. That's why the redeemed should never miss an opportunity to offer praise and glory to the one for whatever reason, for whatever reason, carried me on his mighty shoulders from before the foundation of the world into the beginning. All the way to the consummation and into the new heaven and new earth where I shall be outfitted and glorified to offer him service and honor and praise and glory into the ages of the ages of the ages. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. Here's our invitation. If you're here today without Christ and you would like to come, having been called by God and convicted, you'd like to come to me right now in just a moment and say, Pastor, I want to be saved. Let me pray with you. The invitation is for you. In the act of standing, we ask you to come. Maybe you're here and you're already a Christian, but you need to follow the Lord in baptism. You come. We'll take care of those details. Maybe you're here finally and you just want to become a part of Shiloh, be a part of our family. The invitation is open for you. You may come publicly in this appeal today or if you have questions, we have deacons and their wives in rooms as you exit and you can step into those rooms and speak to them about the invitation. Father God in heaven, Lord, bless this invitation. God, I'm not worthy to even think of what you did for me from before the foundation of the world into the beginning until now and forevermore. But I thank you for it. Now, Lord, bless this invitation as you see fit. Touch our hearts and use it for your glory in Christ's name. Prayerfully, heads bowed, eyes. Would you just stand all over this room as he sings our invitation and as God speaks to your heart, would you come?